Welcome to the sermon podcast from North Decatur United Methodist Church, where all are welcomed and included, connected with God and with one another, and sent out in service and invitation to the world. Each week we bring you the most recent sermon from me, Patrick Fallhaber, or from guest preachers. Thank you for listening and subscribing. I think some of you already know this about me, but when I first came to North Decatur, the uh, I don't know how to say this. Uh, the The pastor that I had been working for warned some of the leaders here and said, "This in the first conversation about me, be careful about Patrick. He's insubordinate. <laughs> now, some of y'all are like, great, awesome, do more of that. Others of you are like, oh, maybe I should leave now, which is fine. There's a spectrum. But that colors how people interact with me, right? If the first thing you know about someone is that they might be trying to undermine everything about what you're doing. That doesn't feel good, right? I mean, that seems obvious. What's interesting, though, is that 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 happened... Unfortunately, the person told me about it, but in the same conversation where I was told that they were given a warning about me for being insubordinate, I received a, a list of folks to watch out for in this church. <laughs> you see how easily we, we do this with one another. And then me, without knowing any of these people, am already on a defensive posture with the folks who I'm encountering for the first time, trying to be in church together. And yet I already have a judgment about some of the people who are sitting in the room. You see, it's so easy. It just takes one person we trust to say, you got to watch out for Bob. I knew that was coming. I know. <laughs> It just takes one person you trust to say, watch out for this person. And then suddenly your whole, every interaction you have with them is colored by that assumption until they're able to like whittle down all of those prejudgments enough for you to start building trust in them. And that's, I mean, honestly, my first year here, I spent a lot of time being surprised by people who I had been warned about being really gracious and hospitable, wanting the best for the church and willing to engage in hard conversations when they need to be had. And then I found out that actually that willingness to engage in hard conversations is one of the things that I was warned about in them. And I see that as one of the greatest benefits of people in the church, willing to have a hard conversation, even challenging me sometimes. That's a good thing. But when I walked into this church, my judgment before even being here included a list of folks to watch out for. Isn't that just how it goes, though? When you step into a new position, I've experienced this in other churches. It's not unique to North Decatur and not unique to Decatur First Methodist. When we step to a place, people who want to be really helpful tend to try to be really helpful by letting you know where landmines are. And unfortunately, where those landmines are tend to be people 
I think it's done from a desire to do good and to be helpful. But it leaves so little room for grace. So little room for growth. So little room for relationship. Because you walk into the relationship without any trust and you have to carve away at a wall that's been built for no reason other than a list of assumptions and then you can start to build trust and you end up with a wasted time. So when Jesus talks about not being judgmental, it, it, it always comes to my mind about the ways that I've been judged, correctly or incorrectly. Um, those of you who've known me could guess whether I am insubordinate in any meaningful way or not. Probably a little bit of both, but that's not all of me. You know, I can be a team player, if you agree with me on the front end. <laughs> of course. But we spend so much time writing stories about other people or creating narratives about other people that may or may not be true, but they just happen to be the rumor that we've heard about them, the expectation that we've set around them. And once we have an expectation set, once we have made up in our mind that we know who that person is, once we have a definition we don't usually like to be surprised in a way that makes us wrong. If I've got an assumption about Julie, it's going to take a lot to whittle down that assumption. Julie and I work very well together, <laughs> just as a, it's great. But like, it's, it's hard to do. That's what Jesus is talking about here. It's interesting. I think people misuse this language about judging um, a lot. Jesus isn't saying, just don't judge. If you were here last week, we talked all about how Jesus told us not to be like those hypocrites, right? Like, that's a judgment, right? In the passage that Daniel just read, he said, uh, you know, Jesus says, like, you who are evil, how you who are evil will not let a child go hungry. That's in a judgment, right? That's a, that's a statement claim about who you are. There's a judgment inherent in that. Jesus isn't telling us to not hold some judgment. That's how we discern right from wrong. We have a judgment over what is right or what is wrong. We have a judgment over what we should do next or what we shouldn't do next. We make judgments all the time. Judging isn't bad, but defining the people around us based on uh, rumor or a preconceived notion or an expectation based on s someone's identity or whatever the case may be, that is when it becomes the root for evil. When we've prejudged the world around us, we no longer allow for God's grace to intervene in any meaningful way, and we start confining the people in our lives to little boxes. And we start writing stories about their lives that may or may not be true. And it takes an awful lot of work to whittle away at that wall or to write a new narrative because it means that we have to fight with our preconceived notions. This is how every meaningful movement of justice begins. It's when a group of people finally speak up to push back 
against a narrative that has been spoken for too long, based on a fundamental lie. The history of the black movement for liberation in this country had to fight against biblical ideas of racism and slavery. Where you had pastors standing in front of churches in this city encouraging, encouraging their churches to forcibly keep out people with brown and black skin. This isn't that long ago. This is 50, 60 years ago. Some of y'all were alive to, and know the manifesto that was written by clergy in the city of Atlanta to try to get the city of Atlanta to integrate its churches and its congregations. It was a big movement led by Bev Jones when he was the pastor at Cicada First Methodist. This project to force white churches to allow black members to come in. That was a fight, and it continues to be one. All based on bad stories. Preconceived notions. Rumors. And outright lies. About the nature of the people living in community. Atlanta First Baptist formed Crowds and rows of people to try to keep black people from walking into the church. Y'all know these stories better than I do. That's a, a part of our city's history. All because they were worried about what would happen when those people show up. The same thing has been true of women becoming clergy in the United Methodist Church. There was a simple lie, a rumor, about how women could never carry the authority of Scripture into a space. Women could never speak prophetically. And that had to be whittled away by faithful people. It still has to be. I have friends, colleagues of mine, who have been rejected by their churches simply because they're female. That struggle continues in the same way. And now we're very publicly in a debate in the United Methodist Church about sexuality and gender in general. And we're stuck again, with a whole bunch of narratives built around rumors and assumptions about the nature of people who are just trying to worship God and live faithfully with one another. All built on rumor, false narratives, allowing us to stay comfortable in our preconceived notions. When Jesus talks about not judging, he is not telling us that we need to live with no judgment of the world around us at all. But he is telling us we need to not confine people to our stories about them. 
We need to do a better job of understanding the narratives that we hold to so tightly to find the log that's stuck in our eye that keeps us from seeing the faithful people around us. To name it, to honor that. And then if once we've removed the log from our eye, if we see a speck in another, Jesus says we should address it. But it's after we've wrestled with our own log, after we've addressed the fundamental sin within us that allows these untrue, evil narratives to take hold and to take root. Even in churches like this, you know, every time... um, Every time someone joins the church here, they, it, and it, this is something to celebrate, they talk about how beautiful it is that our congregation is as diverse as it, as it is. But y'all, we still don't match our community. We do a good job, but are we really welcoming the other cultures and communities that surround our church in a way that is deeply meaningful? In many ways, our church still looks and feels an awful lot like a white church. It just does. That's our story. So what would it mean to let go of our narratives, let go of our structure, let go of all the things that we assume about what worship is supposed to be and what our relationships are supposed to feel like and look like? What if we let all those things out, start pulling on that log out of our eyes so that we could turn around and learn Learn a new story. Learn a new expression of faith. Learn a new experience of God. Learn a new language about who God is and what God's doing. What if we could pull this log out and receive something new in its place that brings new life, that brings resurrection, that brings a fresh experience of hope and joy in the world because we allowed a wall to come down in our lives and something new to be built up. That fundamentally is the work that our church, and I don't mean our church here at North Decatur, but I mean like the, like, capital T, the capital C church, the church. We are called to this work to acknowledge what guilt we have without allowing it to be shame. Shame is debilitating. Guilt is instructive. Remove the log in our eye. Get rid of false narratives and rumors. Maybe put down that list of all the people to be wary of when you walk into a room. And start fresh. I can only imagine what would happen in this world if we could do that. Releasing people from the confinement of this story that I've told about them. I can only imagine. And because I can only imagine, I leave that in God's hands. And I hope you'll just join me in removing the log from your eyes, but from ours collectively, to see the truth as it comes, with fresh insight, a fresh wave of the Spirit, and a new life promised to us through Christ. I hope that we can join in that work and in that story together. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon from North Decatur United Methodist Church. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes.
And if you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at ndumc.org.